Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. Good morning, friends. We've got part two of Mark Nepo coming up right now. I want to talk about um, the three archetype Uh, questions that you talked about that we need to ask ourselves when things break down, because I loved this. And in fact, we were in the backyard today talking about, um, we're putting in a cold plunge and we're figuring out where to go. I said, honey, how could we reimagine this? (laughs) Which was one of the questions. Cause I was like, (laughs) the hot tub is right there and we want to put the cold plunge here, but, but maybe there's a different way to do this. Maybe we're not thinking about something and maybe we're just being unconscious and just saying, let's just put it right here. How do we reimagine this? And we actually did reimagine it to a way better situation. And nothing had really broken down, but it just was something that was put in my awareness from reading the book. And I said, we should be asking ourselves that question way more in life. So the three are what needs to be repaired, what needs to be reimagined, and what needs to be left dismantled. So I'd love for you to go into that. Yeah. So when things, both personally or in a society, when things break down, we are challenged to ask those questions to continue. So yes, to what 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 needs to be repaired is always the first thing. And certainly there is a whole, you know, in the Jewish tradition, there is a phrase to kan olam, which means we are here to repair the world. And I would add, since we are the world, we have to repair ourselves first and this brings up while we're talking about this question the inextricable link between inner work and service and and you know this can be really pointed up ramana maharshi was a hindu sage in the 1800s and he had he said many things but this particularly he said to try to save the world without liberating yourself first is like carpeting the earth rather than wearing sandals (laughs) so without that awareness without repairing ourselves we can do good poorly you know, one of the things I, I, I know for me and my my experience uh, with when I was ill and with people around me, that often meaning well, we will 
love in the way we'd like to be loved without ever asking what is needed. So, you know, I had in a in a former marriage, my former in-laws were farmers, upstate New York farmers, and Donald, who and they're all gone now, but Donald, who was a lifelong farmer and a very quiet, typical farmer, you know, and when his sister was at toward the end of her life and she was in the hospital and they were in their 80s and um all of a sudden this quiet man was insisting vocally with everybody in the family there had to be she should never be left alone there needs to be somebody here all around the clock and i suddenly got it i i i felt in my heart you just told me what you want when it's your turn but nobody asked his sister who might have said for god's sake leave me alone give me some space but he meant well he loved her dearly and i realized you know we all do that sometimes we all we offer without thinking without that awareness that you mentioned without that awareness we can give what we would like but it may not be what's needed so the first question is what needs to be repaired but isn't it like the question that uh, what I've always heard is do unto others as you would want done to you. So yeah, I'm going to go in full of puss and piss and vinegar and, and bring everything to the house or, or do everything for somebody that I can. Um, I've never heard about this part. <laughs> well, I think, I think from the impulse of love, that golden rule, of course, makes sense. That's the part that says, drop the camera, go help. <laughs> forget go carry the groceries for do that's in the, that impulse of love that comes out of our heart but now as we go to actually do it this what what i'm speaking to speaks to how do we actually see what's needed so that the the impulse to love will actually help because you know i could you know i could try to repair a door but if I don't look to see, is it a hinge that needs to be replaced? Is it the doorknob? If I just go in there without looking carefully, I, I, I'll mean well, but I'll never fix the door. So it's a, a both and. It's like it's that golden rule that moves us in the direction of each other. But then we've got to look and say, okay ask the question what do you actually need what do you this is what i would want if i were in your situation what do you need what do you need so that rather than let me know if you need anything yeah oh my god right <laughs> right when you're on the go 24 7 like me guys finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials it's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but 
It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, dot com promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. And that second question, you know, okay, what needs to be reimagined? Now that something's broken, maybe it broke because it wasn't in the right place in the first place. So now we're trying to say, okay, before I repair something, it'll just break again <laughs> because it was never imagined deeply enough. Just like you were saying, you're exi- what, how, what needs to be reimagined? And, and so that is like, you know, I could keep, um, I could be in a relationship and I, you know, I've had friends over the, a couple of friends over the years who, um, were wonderful at falling in love, but they couldn't stay in love. And so every, almost like clockwork, you know, I've had a friend or two who every two and a half years, they're in touch because Every whatever it was didn't work, and now they're falling in love again. <laughs> so, what needs to be reimagined? What is it about us in that situation that we're giving it our all? But if you don't reimagine, what's preventing us from being truly intimate and truly beholding the other so that you can stay in love? And the third question, which is um, maybe the most challenging, is, okay, now that things have broken down, what, need, what 
was put together in the first place that never should have been put together and maybe shouldn't be should stay dismantled and now if we look at society well that there's some obvious ones like structural racism okay that never should have been put together in the first place so now that it's breaking down let's leave it broken you know if we look for a moment here you know what the you know the founding fathers who were deified they were they were just men they were maybe brilliant men but they were they were limited and they were blind men in some regards because they're the moral tension that they create that they imagined democracy which is the greatest form of society we've ever we've known so far on earth while at the same time owning people and discounting women what kind of democracy is that yeah but isn't that what you talk about with the hadron and yes the photon and the the photon and the hadron we and it's it's basically dark and light we are both and right we are we're we're both things we are light and we are dark and we are greedy and we are generous and and those are the shadow selves so isn't that what's happening there well yes and how do we if we this comes back to our acknowledging that not our best selves but the truth of all of who we are so we can help each other not let those shadow energies run the show when we don't deny them they can get right sized not not give them the keys to the car (laughs) you know and and yeah so i think i mean and that you know um you know briefly the the the, what we're referring to about the hadrons and the, the photons and this comes from you know, I, I, during the pandemic, I was reading a book by Neil deGrasse Tyson, the wonderful contemporary physicist. And, um, and he was, and it's called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, which it's not. That's a clever <laughs> title, but it's, it's difficult stuff if you're not a physicist, but it's wonderful. And, and in there, he, and he, and, you know, in his tribe of physicists, their guess at how the universe came into being um it, their imagination their theory is that you know right before the universe came into being there was all this energy and anti and matter and antimatter and um and so when there was a billion and one photons positive energy and a billion hadrons negative and just one more the universe came into being then he goes on to say that, you know, as the planets were forming, as the Earth settled in its orbit, if it had settled a little closer to the sun, it would have been too close and all the water, the oceans would have evaporated and we wouldn't be here. And likewise, if it had settled a little farther, they would have frozen and we wouldn't have been here. And I was struck so much by, you know, we're here by such a small gesture. And then I was out, I think I was doing errands. I think I was in the line at the pharmacy when all of a sudden it hit me. I went, wait a minute. This is not a description of the creation of the universe. This is a description of how life is created over and over every single day. And this is the purpose of goodness to be the one 
gesture that outlasts all the rest. And beautifully and anonymously, we don't know, you know, if you stop to help someone who tripped and all their groceries went in the parking lot, that might be the one photon that keeps life going today. Mm-hmm. And that's how we contribute to the world spiritually. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I would also, you know, add here that, you know, when I was doing one of my other books on community, I learned um, that back in the, in the, what we call the dark ages in Europe, for 300 years or so, and the rest of the world actually at that time was pretty enlightened. It was just Europe, you know. Um, but during that time, only 10% of the European population was literate. That means 10% kept literacy alive on Earth for just over 300 years. And so wow. now, whatever we're going through, where we are unaware and blocked and disconnected when we're awake when it's our turn because we're not always when we're awake it's incumbent on us to keep the literacy of the heart alive right now talk a little bit about that how do we do that we, and where well, and where is it closed and and obviously it's, well, it's, it's closed, closed for us to need it open <laughs> Yeah, and it's closed for us in the ways that we've been talking about, that where we re retreat and stay in isolation, when we stay disconnected from our feelings, when we, because we're disconnected, we let fear govern us rather than love, and then we start seeing the other as a threat and different. Now, now we've lost the literacy of the heart. We've lost to understand how do we learn from each other? How do we, lead, you know, how do I say, oh, not you're different, but oh, thank God you're not me. Teach me what I don't know. What is it like? You know, I think one of the questions that I, that I feel committed to ask when I meet people is what is it like to be you? Great question. Because that opens a door for someone to really be honest and then we get away from, oh, I'm just going to be my best self. No, it's more important to be our authentic self because it is all of our humanity that allows us to connect to everything. So I think, you know, that may be keeping literacy of the heart alive means maintaining our relationships with everything, with ourselves, with each other, with life, with nature, with the planet? How do we tend our relationships um, so that, you know, like I'm, I'm committed to being wholehearted. I'm human, so I won't always do that. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be half-hearted, but <laughs> I'm committed to returning to being wholehearted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm committed to being the light, but then sometimes I'm really cranky and really short and stressed and because <laughs> we're human, but you got to get your way back to it, right? Yes. And absolutely. so at what point do you feel like you fully grasped, grasped 
living your most authentic self? Were you always able to be just your authentic self or do you feel like there was a process and how could you guide people to getting there? So, and you'll identify with this, you know, so first off, let me back up and say, I feel like every human being will be given the chance to be dropped into the depth of life. That's where the spiritual journey starts, really starts. And so it doesn't always, a lot of times it's triggered by life-threatening experiences or loss or grief, but it doesn't, it's not limited to that. It could be wonder or surprise or beauty or having someone love you unconditionally for the first time in your life. So for me, it was almost dying from cancer in my 30s. And so it's not to deify suffering, that happened to be the catalyst for me. And what that did was throw me completely into my full humanity. It dropped me from my head into my heart. And it also made me open. I thought I was open. It made me open to everything, you know. So when I almost died, I was blessed to have people formally and informally from all walks of life, from Catholics to Sufis to Native Americans to atheists to scientists to people offer me some kind of help and blessing. So blessed to still be here. I was not and am still not in my 70s wise enough to know what worked and what didn't. So I feel I was challenged and called to believe in everything. Mm -hmm. And so ever since then, I have been a student of all paths and all my books, all my teaching, all the circles that I'm blessed to convene, look for the common center to all life and the gifts from every way of life that help us live that help us discover and rediscover that we are each other i love that that's beautiful um i marked up this book so intensely um i really liked this is the glass half full or half empty you know we always talk about that with regards to is this an optimist or a pessimist um but you said the deeper response is that it's always both. And more than our argument between light and dark or miracle and tragedy, we need to face both, embrace both, and accept both if we are to truly live. For the great challenge of our time is how to let in both the beauty and devastation that meet us every day without wasting our life energy running from one to the other. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I you know, and I think it's taking me years to understand that and live into that and i and i think you know we have the wheel of life keeps turning and we have whole philosophies that come from stopping the wheel in one place or the you know if we stop it on the top oh don't you see life is beautiful don't bother with all that stuff that's that terrible stuff just just look up look here it's wonderful and but if we stop it on the bottom, then we say, oh, my God, don't you see? This is terrible. 
How can you have a good time? Everything is falling apart. This is awful. Life is terrible. It'll never be any better. And it's always both. And so we need to let the light, you know, the, the purpose of dark sometimes is so that it can show light where to go to fill that darkness. You know, I, I had this wonderful moment. I was teaching recently in Mexico um, at a, uh, a place called the Modern Elder Academy. And it was a wonderful group of people. We were for a week. And before the retreat started, because some people came in early because of flight, you know, schedules and everything. So we weren't starting till a Monday night. And that morning I was there and one or two other people were there. And so I wound up walking on the beach and this other woman who became part of the retreat, she went in a different direction. Then she came back and she said, I, I know we're not starting yet. I don't want to bother you, but something just happened that I don't know what to make of. Can I talk to you about it? And I just loved that she said, I don't know what to make of it. You know, so this is what happened. She had gone down the beach and she saw a sizable fish stranded on the beach. And so she thought, oh, my God, maybe I could get a strip wood and push it back in the water. If I can't, well, I guess it'll be part of the food chain and other animals, birds will come and eat it. And so she did. She was able to get it back in the water and, and she felt good about that. And then she walked for another five minutes. And there was another one. And then she said, I don't know what to make of this. And so we took a walk on the beach and where it touched me was just what we're talking about here. You know, the optimist will say, well, I've got to, you know, the idealist will say, I've got to save every fish. Mm -hmm. I would. And the pessimist, <laughs> and the pessimist will say, well, I'm not going to be able to save every fish. Why bother? And being the one photon is... The we save the fish that's in front of us, knowing there will be another one. Yeah, you do what you Always. can. Always. You do what you can, when you can. You be the photon in the moment that you're in. And we keep going. Oh, yeah. I want to cry. That's so beautiful because it's true. It's true. I'm always amazed. I watch people sometimes. And... I'm always amazed that they have the power to make a difference in that moment and they choose not to. And usually it is, like you said, from fear. They're afraid of whatever. There's hosts of things to be afraid of. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you think about it like that, like being that one difference and you can't save everybody. You can't save everything, but you can save what's in front of you. Yes. And the humbling reward often is that there is what we need is in that giving. You know, one of my smaller poems is just one stanza which goes, the mystery is that whoever shows up when we dare to give has exactly what we need hidden in their trouble Ooh. and so we when we can be the photon we have no idea what what we're going to get 
which isn't released until we take that step. Until we take that step. Yeah, I had something interesting happen last night. Um, It was funny. We were driving, earlier in the day, we were driving through an area where somehow dogs just get out and they used to always come to us and we used to rescue them, find their homes back, whatever. And I was literally driving like, no dogs today. Not today. Please do not come out. Do not find me. And Kevin's like, well, someone else would get them anyway. And I'm like, no, you can't just let one go and hope someone else is going to help it. We have to help it. Long story short, the evening comes and I was going outside to get the final night light on my retinas and set my circadian rhythm. And I kept hearing this woman screaming. And it was really startling, but I was like focusing on this beautiful moon and the stars. And and I'm like, that doesn't feel good. And then it stopped. And I said, okay, God, if this was something bad happening and I need to do something, if I hear it again, I'll go. And I waited. And just as I was about to leave, it started again. So I run and I get my husband. I go, we got to go right now. And he's like, okay, what? I'm like, someone's screaming. So we race outside, we get in the car and we start driving and we're listening to hear where this person was screaming from. And finally we traced it to like the street behind our street and they were having some kind of get together in the backyard. And so maybe this woman had gotten animated and my husband was like, now Maria, you wonder why you're getting sick all the time. Not sick like colds, <laughs> but why you're getting crazy things like brain tumors. He's like, stop stressing and worrying about everybody, which I understand worrying about everybody is an issue. I'm curbing it. However, I said to him, I said, Kevin, I told you this with dogs years ago, when at 2 a.m. I would be chasing a pit bull in the street. I would want someone to save my baby. So if I'm not willing to save someone else's, how am I going to have that reciprocation? So I said, if this woman was in distress and we were able to find where it was and call 911, not like I'm going to go into her house, but at least call 911 and get help there, wouldn't you want someone to do that for me? What was it for us to just get in the car and go around the corner? It was nothing. And so, and he was like, you're right. And I think that, you know, we do, we live in a, a such a disconnected time where we think someone else is going to do it. Someone else is going to save them. Yeah. And then when it comes time for us, Who's going to be there if we're all thinking like that? It's so amazing, right? We're asked to live it, to to find the corridor of aliveness that's between the extremes of doing nothing and carrying the whole world. Mm. So we we somehow, and nobody does it cleanly, but yeah, we have to, that's beautiful, the, what what you just expressed. And including yourself in the love, so that you don't hold on to it. You know, I think of, in this, I think of flags are great teachers because a flag is never more fully a flag than when it's blowing full out in the wind. If the flag tried to hold on to the wind, it would tear. It's only a flag when it's in the wind and it lets it through. And how do we try to do that? As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> 
you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. How do we try to do that? You know, this this goes back, you know, in, in one of the other places I was led in one of my books, I was researching the history of touch and it, it led back uh like massage actually went back to shamans like medicine people and indigenous tribes and and i stumbled on this is amazing i stumbled on this kind of uh teaching story that different versions but they basically were the same story and the story was this this healer noticed that one of the children in the village had the gift so he went to the parents and said i would like the honor of training your son because he will he will be the the next healer in the village and they said oh please do we're honored so the first thing he tells the little boy who's like seven or something he says you're going to want to heal some you know you're going to see the illness and you're going to want to remove it don't do it until I tell you you're ready. Oh, I just got chills. Right? So, of course, you know where this teaching story goes. The little boy sees an old woman who's suffering. And he sees, he says, I, and, he, and he can't help himself. He lays hands on her and he draws the illness out of her body. And, and into him. Sick. Into him. Yeah. And so the, the healer finds him. And he has a fever, and he he takes care of him. And when the boy wakes up, the first, what did I tell you? But what he says to him is, in, in all these different versions of this ancient story, there are twin calls to healing. One is removing the illness. And the other is knowing what to do with it so that you don't get sick, and you just don't put it somewhere else where someone else gets sick. So removing the illness and discharging it are the twin calls of healing. And until you know how to do both, you can't do well. You can't heal. And and this is true in, in, in we have technical mechanical arms, but this is true of healers, of whether they're formal doctors or nurses or just caring for a partner or a loved one or a child or a dog. We have to learn how to take in the, the the discomfort and how to help distribute that and then not to have it live in us and not to just be in a, 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 a conduit so you're really just being contagious and giving it somewhere else. That's profound. It is. I did do something really um, intentional because I'm trying to create new patterns. And so as I, you know, Ran out to the car. I remember taking the charger off the Tesla really calmly. I took it off and I said, Marie, you're going to stay calm because you don't know anything and it's not worth it to get worked up. You're still going. You're going to do all of this, but you're going to do it in the calmest state possible. 
and I was talking to myself and talking myself through it so that I wouldn't work up my autoimmune system and, and get myself into such fight or flight state. I just knew I had to go. That's it. And I wasn't going to be in fight or flight. I did watch my husband, though, be in super fight or flight. He's rushing around. Do I need to, you know, get a weapon? He's like, do I need a knife? I'm like, Kevin, no, we don't need a knife. Like, we're just going to drive. And he's like, okay, like, do I need to get a bat? Like, do, what, do we need to bring the shepherd? You know, and he's putting his shoes on. He's all stressed. I'm like, no, we don't need any of that. Just let's go. We're good. <laughs> but I, I do recognize that we're really good at putting our superhero capes on. And that's who we are, but we have to learn how to do it at a play, at a in a way that doesn't hurt us. So um, I think that's where self care has gotten a little wonky for people. Is now everyone's into self care, which means it's it's becoming more selfish rather than still being for yeah. people and and holding space for people, but without it hurting you, right? Um, yeah, I think that yeah. self, so the lines have gone a little blurred. Yeah, self care doesn't. I mean, sometimes we need to create boundaries, of course, in, in abusive situations or or when things are inequitable. Um, but when we're giving self self care, isn't isolating to the point uh, where you have no. You know, often what we do as human beings, because we're human, I've I I know from my own life is. My heart's open to you. We're friends. I care about you. I love you. So, you know, if I'm open, chances are the first thing is I will become your pain. And and then if that's too difficult, then I go the other extreme and say, well, I didn't think it was going to be like that. Then I make a wall. Then I say, I'm not going there again. And I think our challenge for all of us is to have porous boundaries. Ooh. So no, no, I, I need, I need to have my heart stay open to you, but not lose who I am, and not cut myself off either. So, for instance, I have a dear friend who struggles with anxiety and depression, and I have my stuff, but, but that's not it. So I am there for this person, and they're for, they're for me. But I have to be there and open my heart and then remind myself, okay, that's not what I'm dealing with. So I need to be in the light and feel the light on my face and say, okay, this is my direct connection. And that allows me to be solid enough to give to that person. Mm. Yeah, it's awareness. Yeah. It goes back to awareness. Because you have the awareness that this isn't your thing, but you also have the awareness of how you need to recharge so you can be there for them and their thing. Yeah. So how do we, and that's a challenge for all of us is once we become sensitive, how, what is the skill of sensitivity? What is the art of sensitivity? And I think some of it has to do with, um, not closing the heart and not being so without your own center that you just become what the other person is experiencing. Mm -hmm. Which is easy for an empath, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I think that the other thing that is is 
a little wonky is boundaries. So when you say porous boundaries, it really resonates with me because when I think of boundaries, I think of like walls and ice cold walls. And for someone who just has been learning boundaries in her older years, um, that's how I kind of first felt it. Like I've been hurt so much. Here's the wall. Here's the boundary. Um, but I like porous boundaries because nothing should be that extreme. And and you're only hurting yourself when you close yourself off like that. You've got to have, like you said, the porous boundaries. It it really clicks. Well, the thing, the real, you know, the paradox always about walls is that you wall in as much as you wall out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know that it seems at first like it's protecting you when it ultimately contains you and separates you from life. And again, this goes back to our, our initial part of our conversation in terms of our society, where people are in their bubbles and they're in their insulated places. It feels at first like it's protective, but it's deadly. It's deadly. You know, the biggest, um, and this, this raises, you know, D.H. Lawrence, the poet and writer, he has a wonderful question in some of his work where he says, is the best self-protection being who you are or hiding who you are? Hmm. And I, I mean, I obviously, I'm in the feel like it's being who you are. It's being who you are, which brings us back to not our best self, but our authentic whole self. Yeah. So much for us to chew on in this episode. I love it. Mark, this was so amazing. The book is amazing. Um, and we'll we'll make sure everybody knows where to get it and all of that at the end of the episode. But thank you for your time and for your words and for all the Nepo bombs you dropped on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It's so wonderful to see you. I love uh, touching in and we have our ongoing conversation. Thank you so much for thank having you. me. Thank you. Me too. And all the all the best with, with your child coming. Thank you. Really, really appreciate that. Always love our Mark conversations, but this one is maybe my favorite because this book is my favorite. I feel like everybody needs to read this book. I know, Kelsey, you were saying something similar that you felt when you read it. I feel like I connected more with this book than I have in a long time. And with this conversation, like he was just the last one I really liked, but I don't know. There was something, there was something special about this one that I was like, Oh yeah. Yes. Like what you were saying, it was like, it all made sense. It was clicking more for me. And I was, maybe it's because of the times we've been through, but yeah, this is a, it's a beautiful book. He says, things that we hear all the time, but in a different and more eloquent way that just stick. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I tell Kevin, I go, you got to listen to this and you got to read this book because he says things in a way softer, classier way, maybe than <laughs> us. <laughs> Cause we're just like, this is how it is. I mean, he is a poet. So he's a poet. Right. We're not, <laughs> we're just two kids from Medford Mass exactly. who are having a baby. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, it's uh, it's fascinating. Like he had this one thing I didn't get to read at the end, but I loved it. Um, it's a quote that is attributed to Buddha, and it says, "Thousands of candles can be lighted from a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be shortened." This image affirms that when we give from our center, our ability to give is endless. And so, the mystery of true kindness is that when we give from the depth of our care, we are not diminished but enlivened. 
And again, that goes back to my whole self-care thing because I've been thinking about it a lot. And I feel like it's one of those things we've a a little bit misinterpreted, a little bit taken maybe too far. Self-care isn't about being selfish and going inward and completely being, you know, doing just for you. Because it's like we went to one extreme and now we're going to the other extreme. So when I read this quote or really connected, it's like it affirms that when we give, our ability to give is endless if you give from your center. So we don't have to be afraid to give. You know, you're a little tired and somebody needs you. It doesn't mean that you're not being self-cared enough and you're not taking care of yourself. Go be there for your friend. Go help them. It's okay because your ability to give is endless when you give from your center. And so I, it's just something I've been thinking a lot about. And I feel like he really um, hit home here in this book. But also, like I said, just that what's real and what's not real and the disconnection. And, you know, Kevin was telling me a story about somebody who he knows who um, has cancer and the kids were like, yeah. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) But I said, Kevin, empathy, we don't understand how these kids have been raised. Yes, we know the parents are lovely people, but they're not even raised by parents anymore. They're raised by Instagram and TikTok. Their faces are glued. They have so much blue light toxicity. They're not processing things. They're not it's they're not as connected as we were lucky enough to be. So, I'm looking back at things um that have shocked me and I'm like, "Huh, it's because people are disconnected. They're not living in reality. They're on Instagram, you know. Sometimes you know, people will ask, oh, everything looks like it's going great. I'm like, but it's not. But if you called and asked, you'd know. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> you would know. Um, but I think we have to reach out to each other. Like he said, we have to stop staying in our bubbles and we have to reach out. And I love ask people what they need. Stop if you listen to this, stop texting people. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Never do it again because no one in the situation that needs help really likes that because they know it's a fake gesture. And then sometimes they'll say, and I really mean it. (laughs) You're like, if you really meant it, you'd be here right now. (laughs) You would already be in my face, ready to help me. And, you know, and I've had that. I remember in COVID. Um, I had one friend who was like, I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to help you because my mom and dad both had COVID. They were in the hospital. My friend, Evie, who's been on the show, Evie Pomporis, um, and my house was, you know, still being painted. It was just a disaster zone. And she's like, I'm getting on a plane. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're okay. Please. Thank you so much. And then my friend Marcy from, uh, my days working at E was like, I'm coming over with gloves and I'm going to help you. And I said, Oh my God, thank you. And she came and she helped me, you know, clean up the house and get everything ready for my mom's arrival from the hospital. So if you really want to be there for people, you know how to be there. Don't give the fake. Let me know. At least just say I'm saying a prayer for you. (laughs) At least just do that. Um, But from now on, I think as a heel squad, let's just commit to never saying, let me know what you need because no one's ever going to do that. None of us are really going to be receptive to that. I think what we're more receptive to is maybe a question like Mark posed is, what do you really need right now? 
And how can I maybe deliver that for you? How can I be there for you? Is it okay if I come over and chat with you about what your needs are? Maybe we can get a group of people together and we can all kind of divvy up the responsibilities. Those are ways to really help someone who does need feel a little better about it. Um, coming from someone who's needed a lot, um, it's it's it would be a lot easier if that's what you gave. Anyway, now I'm ranting, but um, the book is amazing. I highly, highly recommend um, Surviving Storms. I think everybody should read it and everyone's going to have that feeling of, oh, I get it now. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, and be present.